Hello, welcome to Genius and the people who love them. I'm Cookie. I'm Binky. And I'm Wendy. Last week, we talked about abuse, quite a heavy topic, but an important one. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, the episode that we are going to be discussing tonight has some tie in with abuse to some extent. Yeah. The more isolated you are, the more vulnerable you are. Exactly. So first I'm going to say my disclaimer, our weekly disclaimer is that we are not physician or lawyer. If you have a medical issue or legal issue, please seek to practitioner or lawyer to give you professional advice. Right. Today we are going to talk about social isolation in the elderly community. This is a problem for the parts of our society that find it difficult to get out. They might have mobility issues. They can't walk to the bus stop anymore. They aren't able to drive anymore. They may not have a car or they may not live near a bus line. They may have a lack of family and friends that live nearby, a lack of financial resources. They might live in a very remote area. We live in a very metropolitan area where things are pretty easy to get around and the public transportation system, I think, is pretty decent for us. But there are people that live where the nearest hospital is two hours drive away and things like that. And this isn't a new problem. It's been a problem for a long time, but it really worsened when COVID came along. Can you explain a bit about social isolation amongst our elderly population? Surely. So as we age, maintaining social connections become increasingly important for over our overall well-being. And we are naturally inherently social creatures. Contrary to a lot of people's beliefs, we love being around each other. Maybe not all the time, but we do enjoy engaging and interaction, interacting and just enjoying one another. Now, unfortunately, many elderly individuals face the harsh reality of social isolation, which can have profound effects on their mental, emotional, and physical health. In our discussion this afternoon, we are going to explore the impact of social isolation on the elderly and discuss ways to break the cycle. So when we think of social isolation, it refers to a state in which an individual lacks meaningful social contact and a sense of belonging. It can occur due to various factors. Some would be maybe the loss of a spouse or not having the connections with those friends. It also could be retirement. Pinky and I often talk about retirement in terms of what we will be doing. I don't think we will be so much isolated, but retirement can actually, people who retire may not have as much social interaction because they're not at work. They're not talking to their friends or talking to their colleagues. They're not hanging out after work, even at this point in time. And even if you're in your 60s, 70s, or maybe even 80s, because people are are working longer, you tend to not be able to continue to have that kind of social interaction as before. Some other variables related to social isolation other than the close friends, retirement, and I think you may have touched on that a little bit, Wendy, is the mobility limitations. I did an episode recently 
at another facility on Alzheimer's disease. And there was one segment where the this individual a female that her license had to be taken away because of some maybe minor fender benders that she had. So she had to go through the whole process of applying or reapplying for her driver's license. And she failed. She failed the driver's license exam, as well as the physical part of the exam. And this really put her in a state of influx. She was not happy about that because she loved her independence. So sadly, social isolation among the elderly has become a prevalent issue in many societies, not only just Western culture, but it can also lead to detrimental consequences. It's funny because I've heard a lot of usually younger people and they're always like, oh, she shouldn't be driving at her age. They yeah. should take her car away. But like they don't realize the ramifications of that. And I'm not saying we should let unsafe people drive. Obviously, exactly. you have to be safe to get in a car, get on the road. But I don't think people fully realize the ramifications of what they're saying. That can be somebody's lifeline. Exactly. Because when you have to rely on people for some things, maybe just basic things, it can really actually impact the way that you feel not only about them, but about yourself. Independence is a lot. It means a lot. As we continue to get older, we have some of these health issues. Cataract surgery has to take place because our vision is limited sometimes. But oftentimes, just feeling that your life is starting to spiral downhill, then that puts you in a state, and I know Pinky's going to address this, puts you in a different state of mind. And that really contributes to your being isolated. One of the primary impact of social isolation is on mental health, feeling of loneliness, sadness, and depression are common among isolation seniors. The lack of social engagement, emotional support can contribute to cognitive decline, anxiety, and even increased risk of developing mental health disorder. Research has shown that social isolation or the older have a higher likelihood to experience cognitive impairment and dementia. Freedom is like everybody wants freedom. And doesn't matter, you are old, you are sick, you are young, everyone in a life, they want freedom. Now, when freedom take away from anybody, even healthy or not healthy, does impact your mental health period. And that is so true, as I say, increase their anxiety. And some of senior is also contribute agitation. And it comes out as a behavior. But reality is, it's not behavior. They are agitated because the freedom was taken away from them. So we need to remember that always all the symptoms they were seeing, some of our symptom is caused by social isolation. Social isolation can have detrimental effects on physical health. Seniors who are socially isolated often neglect their own well-being leading to a higher risk of chronic conditions such as cardiovascular disease, hypertension, and diabetes. 
I think we are seeing this now because so many people were afraid to go to the doctor or afraid to go to the emergency room or the resources weren't there. It was hard to get visits. We did video visits, which vi video visits are great for shut-ins, great for people that are homebound. However, it's not the same. I think we are now seeing the impact of three years of people being more isolated than they normally were. And these chronic conditions have been untreated for a long time. And now we're seeing this influx of people whose chronic conditions have hit this maximum level and they're very ill folks. The absence of social support also affects the immune system, making isolated individuals more susceptible to infections and slower recovery rates. Loneliness and isolation have been linked to a higher mortality rate among older adults. I think if you're not feeling well, if you're depressed and lonely, you have no motivation to take care of yourself, to take your medications, to get out and get some physical exercise, eat properly. You know, it, it's all a cycle that can really spiral downwards. Cookie, what are some strategies that can help break this cycle of social isolation for the elderly? Well, one thing that comes to mind is strengthening community support. The community plays a very vital role and the elderly isolation. So when I think of community, I'm thinking of the church community. We had episodes on some of the volunteering types of things that can be done. That's find your local senior citizen center. So I'm thinking that to, to go back again, in terms of community support, I'm thinking some of the church support systems that are out there, volunteering centers. I have to tell you, I have just seen some amazing church communities. Always remember this person. This was in inner Baltimore City. I went on a visit to one of our home hospice patients. There was a lady who was, she, every day she came to help bathe and take care of this patient who was bed bound. No relation to her, just a member of her church. And she would literally go and she would take care of three or four people every single day because they were in her church and they didn't have anybody else to take care of them. And she wanted them to stay in their home as long as they could. And just the selflessness in that. I'm not a very religious person. I hear people knock religion all the time. And I totally understand that there are some religions that are problematic. It's really not the religion. It's usually the people. But like... I see the good in church communities, like I see it out there. And so I will defend it because I know that it can really bring meaning and help and resources and a sense of community to people that are in such need. And these, some of these communities, they don't have a lot and they have so much based against them and they band together to take care of their people. And it's so just amazing. It really brings me hope. And so many things don't. <laughs> yeah. And the, just in maybe whatever particular programs or volunteering programs that are available in your community, when I think back of being a friendly visitor through the Department of Social Services, mm -hmm. um, there was this one particular female that they assigned me to, and I would visit with her and 
get into her head space just to see what it was after she sometimes there's that level of trust. But once she trusted me, we did things that she enjoyed doing. And so we all have an opportunity. It doesn't have to be something in a group setting. We can check on our neighbors next door and our, the senior buildings that are in the area and just offer a few hours of a day. And that means so much to so many individuals that are isolated. We can build new friendships with them. Yep. And the other social isolation that helps is technology and digital literacy. Technology can bridge the gap between senior and their loved one. Providing training and support in digital literacy can empower older adults to use smartphone, social media, video call, and other online platforms to stay connected with family, friend, and support network. We hit the COVID, lot of thing was by video. And I'm sure the only way the family and friend would collect it with this technology and digital equipment that available now. So that is one thing we senior can use to help to prevent some isolation that they are feeling. Because as Miss Cookie said earlier, there was a lady staying in a bed. She can go anywhere, but I'm sure she can watch video of the family member. And I'm sure she will feel more closer to family than not using video to look at it or start connect with them. And that's what we did during our COVID pandemic. We were having families interact and engage with each other through video chatting and through the computer, face-to-face calls. And even though it wasn't that intimate, it was still something that gave them hope and brought them pleasure. So that's great. It was just watch to see the smiles on their faces. Once we had to get through the technological aspects of it to say, okay, you can talk now. And they're not real, some were not really clear on well, what, what the heck are we doing here? But once we got them comfortable, then they look forward to those face-to-face meetings. Volunteer programs. We had somebody from the Department of Volunteerism for the county that we live in, and that was great. Encouraging intergenerational activities, having college students volunteer with seniors, having seniors volunteer with daycare. This has been proven to be really, really beneficial for the generations. This can foster meaningful connections between older adults and younger generations. It not only combats social isolation, but it also provides opportunities for seniors to share their wisdom and experiences with others. There's a whole program in the county that we live in that puts seniors to work volunteering wherever their expertise or areas of interest are. And It's just been proven that people are healthier when they volunteer. They're more active. The benefits are really good. So transportation services is another way that we can help people who are socially isolated be more engaged. Transportation services, just the opportunity to provide transportation services to those individuals who are isolated for any particular reason. And Wendy already spoke about the church connection, but most churches 
we'll have buses that will pick up those individuals who aren't able to physically make it through maybe a family member or a taxi or whatever. They have a bus services and the buses that are provided by the church and they pick them up and whatever activities may be going on that particular Sunday afternoon, they allow them to be a part of that and maybe another two to three hours of being in service, but at least um, they're there and then they're brought back to their home safely. And there is a lot of facility also, the transportation for social, like a group home has some transportation available that people can go out in a community, visit somebody or going to mall or going to grocery. So a lot of facility and in community, there is some transportable available. Another one is the best one is mobility. They have a mobility transportation by state of Maryland, which is financially so affordable because it's like dollar twenty five or something like that to go from one point to other. So it's really there is some transportation and we try to tell our listener, please use them. It's for you. And you need to start using those transportation to help you to get you out of the isolation. Family and caregiver involvement is so much important. Family and caregiver must recognize the importance of regular contact and engagement with their elderly loved one. Regular visit, phone call, or even virtual interaction can greatly reduce socialization and provide emotional support. Social isolation among the elderly is a pressing issue that requires collective efforts from communities, families, and policymakers. By raising awareness, implementing supportive programs, and fostering a culture of inclusivity, we can break the cycle of social isolation and ensure that our elderly population enjoys a fulfilling, connected, and vibrant quality of life. So what does that translate to the average person? I mean, go next door to your isolated elderly neighbor. You don't have to adopt them. You don't have to financially support them. Just talk to them. Maybe, you know, if you have some leftovers, take them some leftover. Just check on your neighbors. I feel like we live in a world where we're connected to people via social media to England and Scotland and Australia, but we're less connected to the people that live next door to us. And so, you know, if you have elderly aunts or other people that you know are vulnerable, check in on them. Again, nobody is saying you have to be fully responsible for somebody, but make the effort, connect. And for the family members, the word that comes to my mind is patience. Just have a little patience. We are in a fast, fast, got to do, hurry up world. So if you are a niece or granddaughter or grandson or and you have a senior member and you feel like it's a good idea to maybe take them out to the park or do something there early enough so you don't feel pressed, pressure and pressed, 
And they can sense if you're feeling anxious or feeling feeling frustrated because the next time that you offer them the opportunity to do something, they may say no. And that begins that cycle of getting isolated. So have a little patience, take time, be kind, be encouraging. If you're going to take a senior member or family member out and you have a commitment to maybe some event at two or three o'clock, and just take some time and show some kindness. And you will be surprised of how much that means to that individual. And just a little bit of closing on that is a small act of kindness and companionship can make a world of difference to an isolated older adult. I, I do think to some extent, younger generations are kind of rejecting the idea of it takes a village. I hope that I raised my children to still believe in that and not even so much like telling you, well, when I grow up, you're going to have to take care of me. It's not about that. It's about modeling that lifestyle. I agree. Like showing that you are a caring and concerned person, showing that you have compassion for others. I think I just tried to do that to the best of my abilities. And I think that's the best thing we can do for people, not putting some expectations or obligations onto people, but just trying to model that good behavior that when you're able to help others. And that's a good point, Wendy, in terms of modeling, because what I do now is that when I think about it, I have been modeling my mom. She's always had the kindness and the patience. And I used to follow her around when she would make her visits as her role as a, I think, I forget the name of, she was like, the, she was in a missionary society at the church or whatever, but I would go out with her and never say a word, but just watched how um, the people that she visited, how she would bring smiles on their faces subconsciously. When I go to see my senior residents, I'm not modeling after her because I will stop, sit, talk, and chat. And there's so much information that I come to come by from them. I just really enjoy it. So patience and kindness and it's very essential. My mom took care of my great grandmother, which was not her grandmother. It was my dad's grandmother. And she probably had 20 grandchildren. Wow. But she lived in our home and she had dementia. My grandmother called her that lady who takes care of me. We didn't live in a big house. We lived in a three-bedroom home in the city. My mom had my grandmother in one twin bed and my brother who had cerebral palsy and is developmentally disabled in the other twin bed. And she took care of both of them. And certainly as a young teenager, like I never appreciated what that must have been like for her. But now, I, I mean, I certainly think her modeling that behavior definitely had an impact on me. Yeah. You know, I think I took a lot of that for granted because you're a kid. You don't, you don't recognize. Exactly. And plus it was just normal for us. That was our life. And I totally get that not everybody has the ability to do those things. So I'm not saying everybody should have their great grandmother live with them. I'm just saying just having the caring and the compassion and just checking in on people. Not everybody can have their elderly 
family come live in their home. Totally understand that. It's not the right move for everybody. It's not possible for everybody, especially in this day and age when women are now working till they're 65 or 70. So totally get that. And that I don't want people to think that that's what I'm saying. I just think it does take a village and we need to have more of that mentality. Okay, so let's take a break and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. This is the part of our podcast where we will review feedback or questions received, share some popular medical terminology, and give you some resources to continue your research. I got a great article from National Council on Aging. I find they have tons and tons of information about all topics, elderly and healthcare. This one was titled Stay at Home and Social Distancing Mandates During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And it talks about how this has forced nearly everyone to become more socially isolated than ever before. It was put on by the Real World Healthcare Editorial Staff. It says the effects of social isolation among older adults may be more pronounced and have more dire consequences than among people of other ages. And it goes on to say, placing the COVID pandemic aside for a moment, societal trends have led us to the point where older adults are more likely to be isolated or lonely. They are no longer in the workforce, are more likely to live alone, and have fewer social connections over time. In addition, their extended families may be more geographically dispersed than in past generations, making it difficult to maintain in-person familial contact. I think that's very true. Yes. These days go to college and then they spread all around the country, which is great, but it can be really difficult when you're in that sandwich generation, you're trying to take care of elderly parents as well. It says the pandemic has exacerbated social isolation and loneliness, as well as other issues that older adults commonly face, including economic insecurity, difficulty assessing healthcare services, and racial inequity. So you can read this entire article at www.ncoa.org. And again, they have lots and lots of other resources as well. Great resources, Wendy. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Well, at this time, I will give you some medical terminology. Then we'll end with my pinky job. So first, let's say medical terminology. UG, upward gaze. EA, visual acuity. BD, vitral disease. EIA, by way of. So now I'm going to say my... Before, Go did ahead. you say VD, venereal disease? Okay. Yes, I, I heard it. Sure, yes. I, sure I was hearing that correctly. Yep. All righty. Okay, so today's Joe. Hospital regulation requires a wheelchair for patient being discharged. However, while working as a student nurse, I found one elderly gentleman already dressed and sitting on the bed with suitcase at his feet who insists he didn't need my help to leave the hospital. After chat about rules being rules, he reluctantly let me wheel him to the elevator. On the way down, 
I asked him if his wife was meeting him. I don't know, he said. She's still upstairs in the bathroom changing out the hospital gown. Okay. That's never happened, right? Love it. Okay, so that is our show for today. We hope you enjoy our postcard. So please subscribe to get our upcoming episodes. We will be releasing new episodes every other Tuesday morning. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future topics, please visit our website, www.seniorscast.com. You can email us at seniors at seniorscast.com. Please give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I got an adorable message that I shared with Cookie and Pinky from somebody, from one of our listeners. It was very personal. She talked about how one of our episodes really helped her with a kind of a family crisis that's going on in her life right now. So I didn't want to read it or share her information, but it's really nice to hear from our listeners and we welcome any comments at all. Exactly. And if you can think of some ideas for future episodes, future topics, please share that with us one way or the other. Yeah, we'll take a crack at anything. We can talk about anything. <laughs> yeah, we can talk and we will talk about it. Yeah. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So until next time, I'm Pinky. I'm Cookie. And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye.